Morning, everybody. I've missed Anna's heckling. I'm looking forward to having that again. Keeping me right as I'm preaching or leading or whatever it is. Great to have her back. Obviously, it's great to see you and, and good to see everybody at home too on, uh, on Zoom. Now, being the mathematical genius that, I, uh, that my C grade at GCSE Maths clearly demonstrates that I am, I discovered this week that a week consists of seven days, 168 hours, or 10,000, if you prefer, 10,080 minutes, 10,080 minutes in a whole week. Now, like me, you might not have known that a week uh, is made up of 10,080 minutes, but surely everybody knows that a week is seven days, don't they? Surely they know that. Well, you think so, but in 1929, the Soviet government, Uncle Joe, bless him, uh, in Russia decided that it knew better, and so it decided that it would redesign the whole week. And so they created a five-week day, believe it or not. And it was this, this idea that it would boost industrial productivity in the Soviet Union. And the idea was that the factories would just be working 24 hours a day continuously. People still got time off, but they never got time off with their family. And so uh, only 20% of the workforce was ever off at, at one time. And families weren't able to spend time together. And eventually, they realized that this wasn't a great idea. And they changed the week back to a normal week with seven days. They realized that instead of pushing productivity up, although there was a short-term gain, actually in the long term, productivity dived because uh, it just didn't work. People became so exhausted and demoralized by trying to mess around with this uh, divinely instituted week. And if you study different cultures around the world and throughout history, you'll find that there's a universally recognized need for a day of rest. Some cultures have historically had weeks of different lengths, of four days, some of eight days, but most cultures, if you kind of look at them around the world throughout history, have a seven-day week and have a day of rest each week. There's a universally recognized need for it. But where does this come from? Why do we have a seven-day week uh, to start with? And, and why does everybody just naturally accept and recognize we need a day of rest? We just need it. There's, there's been numerous other experiments done in various times in history where workers haven't been given a day off and, and they've just worked seven days a week. And whilst initially the productivity has gone up, ultimately it's gone crashing down because they soon, the, the people soon became exhausted. It, it just seems that human beings are designed to need a day of rest and that that seems to be woven into us uh, every seven days. We need a day of rest just like we need to sleep at night. If you try existing without that, you can do it in the short term, but very quickly it will really affect you. And the reason we live by a seven-day week and instinctively just need this day of rest is because God created time itself and God created us. And he designed us to rest one day in every seven. It's God's design. And whenever human beings try to ignore the, the principle of resting one day in seven, it backfires. It just goes horribly wrong. Because we're not designed to work seven days a week. I just realized that Joseph Stalin is still staring down at us. It's a bit, un, a bit unnerving. God created us and he wired into us this, this rhythm, this this design to stop every seven days and rest. It's a sacred rhythm, and, and we ignore it at our peril. And when we think that we can just work, 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 and never rest, never take a day off, and that's a particular problem in our culture, we're kind of saying that we are bigger than God, the God who created us, who created time. We're saying that, you know, we know better, we can do better than you can, and we think that we can ignore God. The Bible begins with... The account of how God created the universe in six days and then rested. 
on the seventh. And Genesis 2 tells us that by the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. The Old Testament of the Bible was written in Hebrew. And the Hebrew word that's translated as rested here is the word sabbat or Sabbath, as we say in English. When God created time itself, he created a seven-day week, with the seventh day being a day of rest. And he's hardwired that concept into us, the need to, to sabbat or to Sabbath, to rest from work. He's hardwired that into us as human beings. It's just part of our DNA. And when God chose the people of Israel a little bit further on in human history and entered into this special covenant relationship uh, with them that we've seen that was particularly marked out there at Sinai when he gave the law to Israel through Moses, he gave this uh, package of laws headed up by the Ten Commandments, he reiterated and he reinforced the concept of this Sabbath, of Sabbath, of rest, of this day of rest to them. The most important part of the law were the Ten Commandments, was the kind of headlines, if you like. And the fourth of the Ten Commandments is all about this day of rest. It's about resting on the seventh day and making it special. Before we look at the fourth commandment in detail, though, we're going to read, just going to step back again and look at uh, Exodus 20, verses 1 to 21. We're going to read that whole section again, just so we get the setting of what's happening here. So if you've got a Bible handy and you want to turn to it, Exodus chapter 20, 1 to 21, or you can just listen as I read it uh, if, if that's easier. It says this, And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the foreigner within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy." Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance. And said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. God says to Moses, remember the Sabbath day 
by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your servant or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the foreigner within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. What we're going to see as we look at the fourth commandment today is that the Sabbath was on one level a simple day of physical rest once a week on the seventh day. But there's more to the Sabbath than just enabling human beings to rest and be refreshed as important as that was and is. And it wasn't so much that the Sabbath day itself was important. The whole point of the Sabbath was that it And and the whole point of observing the Sabbath was that it connected the people, it pointed the people to God. It was so that they remembered God. By remembering how God had created in six days and then rested on the seventh day, they were actually being pointed back to their creator. So the purpose of the Sabbath, first and foremost, was to point the people back to the Lord himself. It was primarily about God. Everything is ultimately about God. The Sabbath wasn't about the Sabbath. The Sabbath was about God. It was a kind of a a means to an end. It was a means of pointing them back to God. And what we're going to see as we look this morning at the Sabbath is that there's whole multiple layers. On one level, it's just a physical day of rest. But there's so much more going on. It speaks of lots of other things, which in themselves speak of greater things. And we're going to see as we kind of move through this, this kind of seven steps, if you're looking on your outline, which leads us all the way to this ultimate, amazing sabbath that still lies ahead for people who trust in jesus so it starts with god resting then it moves to the people having a physical day of rest and we're going to see it kind of builds and eventually we get to this amazing future sabbath this amazing rest that we're going to enter into if we trust in jesus so by resting every seventh day the day that god rested from his creative work the people the the israelites were being pointed back to God every week but it was more than that it was also a picture it was a sign it was an it was an illustration of a number of other things in the life of Israel and we're going to look at those this morning but even those had a deeper meaning and we're going to see that the Sabbath and the things that it was a picture of in the life of Israel had an even deeper meaning ultimately they pointed forward to someone and to something that was even bigger and deep and deeper and greater The whole concept of the Sabbath in the Bible starts with God's rest. starts with God on the seventh day and it ends with eternal rest for those who've put their faith and their trust in Jesus. And as you look on your outline, you see that I've identified seven key points or steps that start with God and they end with God. Now the way the Israelites were to mark and to remember that God rested from his work and that he created the universe was to also cease from their physical work. On the seventh day of the week and in doing so it would be a weekly reminder of God it would remind them that he was the only God it would remind him that he was the creator it would remind them that he was the creator of all things and keeping the fourth commandment would reinforce the third second and the first commandment to have no other God but Yahweh the eternally self-existing one to not make idols and to not misuse God's name. So keeping this fourth commandment would reinforce these first three. But in resting from their work to focus on God, it also enabled them to physically rest and be refreshed. By focusing on on God, they got to rest from their physical work. They got to be refreshed. So the Sabbath was partly designed by God as a way of allowing people to rest and be refreshed on a physical level. God cares about mankind, he cares about people, and he wants the best for us. 
And the wonderful thing about God is that whenever we put him first and whenever we focus on him and put him in the place that he, he deserves in our lives and when we're obedient to him, we get massively blessed ourselves. Isn't that amazing? That by focusing on God and putting him in the number one spot, we actually, as a kind of side effect, get the most amazing blessings ourselves. The people of Israel were instructed to make sure that all their family, all their servants, all their working animals, and even any foreigners that were staying with them, that they observed the Sabbath. And this was God's way of protecting vulnerable people from being exploited by people, by being exploited by greedy and, and, and harsh landowners and employers. Keeping the Sabbath was a real blessing to everybody who lived in the land of Israel, even the working animals. Now, of course, the seventh day of the week wasn't is the day that we call Saturday, yesterday. But actually, under the Jewish system of timekeeping, the day ran from sunset to sunrise. So the Sabbath in the Bible, in the Old Testament, was actually sunset on a Friday night until sunset on a Saturday night. This was their Sabbath. So it doesn't exactly correspond with Saturday for us. But this was one day a week for them to down tools, to rest, and to refocus on their creator, the Lord Yahweh, and to celebrate him. God says to Moses in Exodus 31, Say to the Israelites, you must observe my Sabbath. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come, so that you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. The Israelites are, are to observe the Sabbath, celebrating it for the generations to come as a lasting covenant. It will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he abstained from work and rested. So one of the reasons that God gave the fourth commandment to keep the Sabbath was so that it would be a sign to the people of Israel. On the seventh day of each week, they had a whole 24-hour period of downing tools and focusing on Yahweh, focusing on the Lord. And this was a kind of an outward, physical, tangible way of reminding them that they were God's people. It was something they did, but it helped remind them who they were and that God had chosen them, that he'd set them apart to be different from all of the nation around them. The Sabbath reminded Israel that the Lord, Yahweh, this, the eternally self-existing one, had chosen them to live in this special covenant relationship with them and that he'd made them holy. He'd set them apart to be special. And as they stopped work on the seventh day of each week, they would gather, or they were meant to gather together as families, and then not only to stop working, but then to actively focus on God himself. And if you read through the rest of the Old Testament, which you can do this afternoon in your spare time, you'll see that some of the Psalms were written specifically to be sung on the Sabbath day. Psalm 92, for instance, if you look in the NIV, the heading says, uh, a psalm for the Sabbath. And if you read the accounts of Jesus' life in the New Testament, you'll see that on the Sabbath day, the people uh, came together in the synagogue, the Jewish uh, sort of meeting houses, and Jesus uh, frequently stood up and taught on the Sabbath from the Bible, from the Old Testament uh, on the Sabbath, and he taught the people. So it wasn't just meant to be a day when they stopped and did nothing. It was meant to be also a day when they actively then chose to focus on the Lord, on Yahweh, and worshipped him. So the Sabbath gave the people of Israel spiritual rest and refreshing, as well as physical rest. As they focused on God, they were then spiritually refreshed, uh, refreshed as well as being physically refreshed in a way that they wouldn't be able to do ordinarily during the week through just legitimate things that they had to do, as we all have to do. 
So just as Ryan was saying last week, you know, we often think, don't we, of the Ten Commandments being rules that are meant to restrict us and, and, and make life difficult almost for us, when in fact they're actually liberating and they're a blessing to us. The Sabbath protected people from physical burnout. It even more importantly enabled them to be spiritually refreshed as they reconnected with the Lord, with the Eternal One. And as they worshipped him and as they read from the, the, the Old Testament scriptures, as they were written and so on. And it reminded them that they were God's chosen people, that he'd set them apart and that he'd made them holy. But it was also, there was another thing it was meant to do, that it was to remind them of what God had done for them when he rescued them from slavery in Egypt. God says this to Israel in Deuteronomy 5 when the law is repeated at the end of the 40 years in the desert he says this remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm therefore the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day God rescued the people of Israel from Egypt and he gave them rest or Sabbath from their work as slaves they'd been slaves for hundreds of years in Egypt and he rescued them and brought them into a Sabbath rest, not a physical day, but a kind of state of rest. They were now resting from slavery. So the Sabbath had a bigger, a deeper, a wider meaning than just a day of rest, on a, a, a physical day of rest once a week. It was that, but it was also to remind them that God had given them even, an even bigger rest from their time as slavery. So the Sabbath was to remind Israel that God had given them rest or Sabbath from their slavery in Egypt. And of course, even that slavery in Egypt and God rescuing them is a picture in itself. It's a real physical event, but it's a picture in itself of something bigger that God does in the future, which we're going to look at in a minute. It's the rescue from the slavery of sin that Jesus offers if we put our faith and trust in him. So all of that's all well and good. We, we've seen, hopefully, why God gave the fourth, the fourth commandment to the people of Israel via Moses, and we can see what its purpose was for them at that time in that context in history. But what does that mean for us today, then, as believers in Jesus? Now, you may not all have a faith in Jesus, but uh, I'm guessing that most of you here this morning or watching online at home uh, are believers in Jesus. If, if that's the case, what does the, the fourth commandment mean for us today? Well, Let's not forget, we are not the people of Israel. People of Israel had this special relationship they entered into God with, and it, it was tied up in the land, the promised land uh, that they lived in and so on. We are not Israel, okay? We are not the people of Israel. So our situation is a little bit different. Are we meant then to rest from sunset on Friday evening until sunset on Saturday evening? Is that what we're meant to do? Because that's what the commandment says. And, and remember that, that part of the law that God gave to Moses was that if someone broke the Sabbath, they had to be put to death. So this is really serious stuff. So we, we, we need to know what we're meant to do with this fourth commandment. Do we have to obey this commandment? And should people be put to death if they don't obey it? It's a big serious thing, isn't it? So we need to know what it really means. Well, if we're believers in Jesus, then we need to look first at what Jesus said about the Sabbath when he came and then what he did on the Sabbath and then what the Bible says about Jesus. The, the, the first thing to note is that keeping the Sabbath is the only one of the Ten Commandments that Jesus didn't repeat and reinforce and that the rest of the New Testament writers and teachers and leaders didn't repeat and reinforce. It's not repeated by any of the other New Testament writers. What Jesus did say about the command to keep the Sabbath was that the Jewish religious leaders of his day were approaching the Sabbath in completely the wrong way. They got it all wrong. 
They had taken this, this fourth commandment and then they'd added loads of extra rules and regulations and try to codify what you could and couldn't do and, couldn't, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and they'd added loads of extra layers on top of what God had said to Moses. So instead of the Sabbath being a blessing to them of freedom, it was uh, it become this massive weight of rules and regulations. And it was as if they were actually worshipping the Sabbath rather than actually worshipping the God that the Sabbath was meant to point them to. And so when Jesus healed people on the Sabbath, they got really angry with him and, and they accused him of breaking this fourth commandment because they said that healing somebody was work. But Jesus made it clear that if somebody needed help on the Sabbath, then you should help them. Just because they were meant to rest didn't mean that they shouldn't help those in need. They, they'd kind of misunderstood the point. that the, the Jewish religious leaders had turned what was meant to be a blessing to the people of Israel into a burden and into a difficult thing. They even wanted to stop Jesus healing people. And they completely missed the point. The Sabbath was made for man's benefit, Jesus said. It was meant to be a blessing to people. Man wasn't created to serve the Sabbath. The Sabbath is there to serve man. It, it, was, it wasn't meant to be a limiting, restricting rule. It was meant to be a liberating rule that freed people from work. And it gave them rest and it pointed them to God and to the rest that he wanted to give them, not just physical but spiritual rest. We read this, Then he, that's Jesus, said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Then we read something really important. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. In other words here, Jesus is claiming to be God. It is his day. It is his gift as Lord. Jesus claims to be Yahweh numerous, numerous times in the New Testament. It is his gift as Lord to his creation, to his humanity, and in particular to the people of Israel. And because Jesus is God, then he has the right to determine what he does uh, on the, and what can and can't be done on the Sabbath, not the Jewish re religious leaders. But not only is Jesus the Lord of the Sabbath, he's the fulfillment of the Sabbath. And this is really important. He is what the Sabbath ultimately pointed forward to. He is what the Sabbath was a picture of. He is what the Sabbath is really all about. The book of Hebrews in the New Testament, which was written to Jews that had become Christians, they trusted in Jesus, but then they, they kind of got tempted to go back to Judaism. The book of Hebrews is all written to make the point that Jesus is superior to the Old Testament and that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. So don't go back. And the, and the book of Hebrews says this, the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. The Old Testament law, including keeping the fourth commandment, that the Sabbath, was a shadow of a, great, of a greater reality. If you see a shadow, it's not the real thing, is it? You can see, you can experience a shadow, but the, the person or the object that's causing the shadow, you're not actually engaging with. You want the person or the, or the object, but actually all you're seeing is the shadow. The, the Sabbath, along with all of the Old Testament, was a shadow of Jesus. It was good. But it was just like a dim preview of what was really coming, of the real thing. And the reality, the real thing, the Bible says, was Jesus and all that he accomplished by dying on the cross, taking the punishment for our sin, rising again. Jesus is the one that brings us real, true spiritual rest, not physical rest one day a week, important that is, but Jesus is the one that brings us real, true spiritual rest. The Old Testament, including this Sabbath day, command is a, is a dim shadow it's a kind of preview of the real thing which is Jesus 
The Sabbath was a picture, it was a shadow of Jesus himself. And it was a shadow or a picture of what Jesus would do and what he would accomplish when he came and when he died on the cross. And it's a picture of what he gives to those who put their faith and trust in him. Jesus says this in Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus was a carpenter, and he would have known all about making yokes, which were the implement that joined two animals together, that that worked together. There's a picture there of, of, of a yoke. It's that wooden thing that joined the two ox together. And Jesus was saying basically this, the Jewish people were yoked together to the Jewish law. But because of all the extra commands that the religious leaders had put on them, this yoke was like a rough, unpleasant yoke around their necks. It was, like, it was burdensome. It was wearisome. And because they were unable even to keep the laws that God had given them because of sin, it, 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 the law, although good, had become something which was really burdensome for them. And Jesus instead was inviting them to come to him and join themselves to him, to be yoked with him, with the perfect fitting yoke that only he could design, and to find rest, real rest for their souls, to find rest in him, to find Sabbath. Instead of trying to be accepted by God by keeping a whole list of rules and regulations, people could find acceptance with God. They could find rest, true spiritual rest, by putting their faith in Jesus. True rest, spiritual rest, is only found in Jesus, in who he is and what he's done. It's in him, it's in what he's done that we find true rest, rest for our souls. It's when we give up on our attempts to be accepted by God by doing good stuff throughout the week, throughout our lives. And instead we, we, we quit our attempts to work to be accepted by God. We, we get to Saturday, as it were, and we rest and we stop. And we say, over to you, God, I need to be accepted by you. I can't be accepted by you by what I've done. I need you to accept me another way. And that's through what Jesus has done. Just like when we get to the end of the week, we stop and we say, oh, that's nice. I'm resting from all my hard work this week. When we put our faith and our trust in Jesus, that is what we experience. Rest. We find that we finally arrive where we should be, which is in a relationship with Jesus. And the rest for our souls, the, the spiritual Sabbath, if you like, that we experience when we put our faith and trust in Jesus in this life, is actually in itself only part of the complete rest that we will one day experience. It's what theologians call the now and the not yet. We've got a kind of experience of it now, but there's still more to come. The whole of Hebrews chapter 4, and you can read that this afternoon, the whole of Hebrews chapter 4 in the New Testament is all about the fact that true rest or Sabbath that God offers us isn't the rest of a Sabbath uh, of a day of physical rest. That's just, it's just a picture of the true rest that's coming. And it isn't the rest from slavery in Egypt, nor is it the rest of going into the promised land that the people of Israel had. The true rest that God promises those who put their faith and trust in him is an eternal rest with God forever. Hebrews 4, 9 to 10 says this, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. As followers of Jesus, we're resting firstly from the need to do good works to be accepted. But because we've been accepted, we should then want to go on and work hard to serve God. 
But when we finally go to be with God, if we've put our trust in Jesus, when we finally go to be with him and spend eternity with him forever, all our work on this earth will be over and finished and we will spend eternity in God's rest. True, amazing, phenomenal spiritual rest that goes on forever enjoying God. This Sabbath rest that remains then for the people of God, as as Hebrews 4 says, is is another way of referring to us spending eternity with God in heaven where our work for God on earth is over. And we get to enjoy God and we get to rest with him forever. We get to gaze on him in glory and enjoy all that he is and all that he's done for us in a place where there's no more sin and there's no more death or hurt or pain. Real rest, the true Sabbath. So faith in Jesus in this life will one day bring us into a a Sabbath celebration that isn't just for one day a week on a Saturday from from sunset to sunset, but is actually an eternal rest that just goes on forever. The sun never sets on that rest. The Bible starts with a Sabbath. God rests when he creates the universe and it ends with a Sabbath as God's people rest with him and enjoy him forever so as believers in jesus as christians we don't need to keep the fourth commandment because jesus is the fulfillment of that commandment he's the fulfillment of the sabbath he's the one that it pointed forward to as we saw a few weeks ago we're now free from keeping the old testament law we're not under the law anymore when Jesus died on the cross, he cancelled the law, the written code that, commend, that, that, that condemned us because of our inability to keep it. Look at what Paul says in Colossians 2. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the written code, that's the law, with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. And then a little bit further down, he says, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. We don't have to keep the Old Testament Sabbath day. These were a shadow, a foretaste of the reality that has now come. And that reality was and is the Lord Jesus. We're free from the Old Testament law. And anything we do in life, any good things we do, should be in response to what Jesus has already now done for us. And so Paul says this in Romans 14. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. So if you want to keep one day a week just for rest and devoted to God, that's a good thing, says Paul. But it's up to you if you do that and how you do that and when you do that. It's not a matter of rules and regulations. It's a question of being convinced in our own minds uh, that what we're doing and what we're not doing on that day is because we want to bring glory to God. If we start making a list of things that we can and can't do on a, on a Sunday or for, on any day for that matter, then we've completely missed the point. So the principle of having a day of rest is biblical. And we ignore that concept at our peril. We need to stop working. We need to rest. Just try working seven days a week and you'll soon see that having a day of rest is a really good idea. Surprise, surprise, it was God's big idea. And and giving that day over to God in a way that you're not able to do with the rest of the week is also a really good idea. It's a great way to rest and focus on God if you can do it. But 
most of the early church, remember, weren't Jewish, and so they didn't live under the Old Testament law, and, and lots of them were slaves in the Roman Empire, so they didn't get a Saturday off. It, it was impossible for lots of the early Christians to take a Saturday or a Sunday off. The, the uh, early Christians that weren't Jews couldn't keep the Old Testament Sabbath if they wanted to. Our current Western seven-day-a-week with, with Sunday as a religious day of rest wasn't introduced until 325 AD by the Emperor Constantine. But the early church did make their special day, the first day of the week, Sunday. And they called it the Lord's Day because it was the first day of the week when Jesus rose from the dead. But they didn't have the day off as we do and they didn't spend most of it at church at meetings on a Sunday because the Lord's Day wasn't a day off in the Roman Empire until 325 AD. What you find as you read the New Testament and early church history is that they either met very early on, on a Sunday morning before their work, or at the end of the day, when they'd done their work. That's why in Acts, uh, Paul is preaching late into the night. Eutychus falls asleep and he falls out the window because Paul has witted on. It's midnight. He's tired. They've been at work all day. So Sunday, the Lord's Day, isn't the Sabbath of the Old Testament. We mustn't confuse it with that. It's not the Sabbath of the fourth commandment. And we should definitely not make a whole list of rules and regulations about what we can and can't do, therefore, on a Sunday. That's not got any basis in the New Testament. A day of rest is a great biblical concept and one that we ignore at our peril. But as followers of Jesus, the one that the Sabbath day spoke of and pointed forward to, our true rest is found in him. So do your best, yes, to get a, a weekly day of rest. You need it. We need it. Do your best to take time on a weekly basis to focus on God and enjoy him. It's called church. You need to do it. And, and when we come to church, let's worship and praise our wonderful Lord Jesus on a Sunday, the Lord's Day. And, and in fact, every day for giving us rest, not just physical rest, great idea that is, but eternal spiritual rest that comes from Jesus. And if you're here today or you're watching at home and, and you feel weary and burdened by your sin and by your attempts to get right with God and you've never come to Jesus and asked him to give you that eternal spiritual rest, then why not do that today? Join yourself, yoke yourself to Jesus and receive forgiveness and a relationship with God and eternal life and enjoy God. Enjoy that rest that goes on for all eternity. It starts now and we see the full, complete fulfillment of it when we spend eternity with God forever, when we get to enjoy him forever.